Hey everyone, welcome to episode 163 of 15 with Andy, Carla, and Daniel. No Jeff, no Andy, summer break, we all know that. We're week four into this God Is series. And it's a special Friday evening edition of the podcast, which has not happened in three years. So we're a little excited of that. And if it's not Wednesday as usual, then you have to assume it's something special. And you would be correct. This week, we have two very special first-time guest speakers, Carla and Daniel. And how do, how do I pronounce your last name? Monier. Monier. I did it right. Yeah, you got it right. I did it right. It doesn't wind- happen. No. I, and I was like, I, someone else pronounced it wrong. And then I was like, I don't think that's right. I think I'm right. And so the little short snippet edition that you heard on Wednesday, I got it right. Got it right. Pretty happy with myself. Sorry. But thank you guys so much for being here, for taking time out of your week to come by and do the extra. You already did two services. I know that's a lot. So thank you so much for being here. As I alluded to in Wednesday's short episode this week, if you haven't watched their story, as told this past week at the hospital church, please, 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 right now, hit pause. Just swipe up in today's show notes. The link is there or go to hospitalchurch.org slash sermon and go to the most recent installment of the God Is series in the archives and you can watch their story. It should absolutely not be missed, and it will give you the proper context for today's conversation. All right, as always, before we begin, last week's installment of our God Is series was by our own Megan Kuzer as Waldo, and God's words to Jeremiah and the exiles, where we were reminded that, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen, and when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. As always, in the mobile app or at hospitalchurch.org slash podcast, Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, all those good things. You can find that. Don't miss it if you haven't caught up yet. All right. I want to start by saying that I am deeply grateful that you guys came and shared your story and for the strength that it takes to share something so personal and the parts of ourselves that are broken by the the worlds and even our own standards are extremely personal and protected. So to be able to get up in front of so many people and to share that, it's it really makes it that much more meaningful and impactful. And I personally resonate with your story as a special needs father. Your life is going along as planned, happily, perfect, kids. And then you're given something that's broken, supposedly, or something breaks without warning with no idea how to fix it. And from this perspective, I've struggled with the verse that I read from last week, just a few moments ago in Jeremiah. How do you align these declarations of God that I know what I'm doing? I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future that you hope for. I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. How do you how do you align that with what has happened to you over the last eight months in your life? You know, I have struggled a lot with passages like that, a Jeremiah passage or the one where it talks about don't worry, you know, God takes care of the lilies of the field and yeah. um I have struggled with that a lot and I still don't know that I know what I think about that. Um But it is something absolutely that I am very confused about. And those passages, yeah, they give you hope um, in times that aren't really that bad. But then when you're completely broken, you look at it and you say, okay, God, what does this mean? And what, what plans do you have for me after something like this happens? Yeah. How do I apply this to me? Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Danny? Yeah, this is a reconciliation that I'm still trying to go through. Um, I think Carl and I both had relatively easy lives growing up. We um, 
stable families. Um, you know, we grew up in the Adventist home. Both our dads are pastors, actually. And, you know, growing up, high school, college, even our careers, everything's been pretty easy. And to go from something like that to the injury that Carla sustained, the accident that happened, it's a pretty steep fall, really. And so to reconcile between these promises that are made in Jeremiah and, you know, not having to deal with real adversity and then going through something like this, it's definitely um, been a struggle to this point and something we're working through every day, really. Yeah. Because you guys seem pretty normal for for being PKs. <laughs> Right? Something worked out between <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what it is? <laughs> we didn't go off one way or the other. We're kind of just in the middle. So And I yeah. was homeschooled as well. So Oh man. Yeah. We homeschooled too. And sometimes I know, right? You get the all the oh, stigmas, yep. You're homeschooled. Homeschooled. I wasn't homeschooled, so I'm a bit more normal than she is. But <laughs> oh, okay. Well you're homeschooled. Debatable. Aren't, you, aren't, you, yeah. aren't you precious? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Carla, you said, I truly believe that in order to break me, the devil knew he had to go for what molded me and made me the person I was, my mobility. Without mobility, I really had to lean on God for help. And that was really a powerful statement because I find that like in Christianity as a whole, we tend to struggle a lot with why does God let things happen, which I believe leads us to think that God has endorsed or even caused bad things to happen to us. But your belief that this event in your life was an act of the devil and not God is really a powerful change from the way many Christians try to find purpose in, in different tragedies by claiming it was caused by God. And then it was for his greater purpose because he had a plan. Did you feel this way prior to your to the injury? You know, I've always had, you know, you hear stories about people coming into churches and gun to your head. Do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> and I thought about that and I was always wondered like, man, if I had a gun to my head, would I say, yes, I believe in Jesus or no, deny him at that point. And I think that obviously it's not that drastic, but I think that I've thought about that so much. And then the class that Daniel and I did take, God and Human Suffering, yeah. we, we read a lot of books about, is God to blame, this and that. And I think that somehow that prepared me in a way that I am able to say, hey, you know what? I know that God is always good and everything bad comes from the devil. And although, yes, God could have changed it and made it to where this never happened. Sure. We live in a world of free will, and that's just some of the things that we go through are bad things because of the devil. And yeah. so I think having, for some reason, having thought of that through years of just thinking about what I would do in certain situations has prepared me for this moment to be able to say, you know what, um, God is good and I can't blame anything on God. I will say this too, is that someone sent me actually a video and it talked about people who go through struggles and it talked about, Hey, this person was stoned and they still believe in God. And then it talked about something about how there's someone on the other side of the wall who says, you know what, God, this is too hard. I can't do it. Yeah. And then they had that person who was stoned and still believed in God stand up on the wall. And the guy who was telling the story has, has a handicapped daughter. She would always ask her dad, dad, why am I like this? Why am I so different? It's not fair. Yeah. And he said, you know what? You're standing up on the wall. You still believe in God. And we have to show people on the other side of the wall who said, no, it's too hard. That it is possible to go through the same thing and one person believe in God and one person deny him because of it. Sure. And so it kind of shows that 
listen, we're standing on the wall right now, Dale and I, trying to show people like God is good and yeah. God brings good things into our lives. Even though this may not, it's hard to see at this point, but we just have to believe that because without without God, without hope that there's something better, I don't know how people get through hard times. I look at that and I think the very same thing. It's kind of a realization that like, you didn't choose this. This is nothing. This is the most completely random thing that you could ever to be in exactly the same place as that bullet and those people at the exact same time to end up with the injuries and the struggles that have resulted from that. And then just that story you you shared with my daughter. There's nothing she can do about it. This mm-hmm. is a genetic condition that she was born with. And so I think that the rest of us that aren't in these positions are looking at you and looking at your situation. And for me, I look at it every day with her and go, what is she going to face? I I know what she already faces and it breaks my heart. And I go, what is she going to face in the future when maybe I'm not there to help her or I'm not there to protect her? Because you're right, you're standing on that wall and there's absolutely nothing you did wrong, nothing anyone else did wrong. Well, what someone else did wrong, but nothing you could have ever done to prevent it. And now you're on that wall and you have to be there. What are you going to do? And the way that you're going about it is just so amazing. And I think that's why everyone has resonated so, so hard with this message. And when you shared your journey, because we're all looking at it and the rest of us have to look at it and go, all right, boohoo for you, buddy. You need to you need to suck it up and whatever you're going through, you have choices where to move yourself. But there are people that do not. And it, it's not because they were, you know, we like to look at other people and go, oh, well, that's because they're bad or they do this or they have that and we can look down on them. But in these instances, it's not. It's just the way life is. One of the most incredible experiences as part of this journey is Carla has been like this since she was awake and talking. This hasn't been her mindset reflecting back months ago. Like since the moment she was awake, she didn't have any hate in her heart. And she always felt like, you know, the devil was out to get her. And it was just like, I alluded to this in our, in our story. And like, Carla has been my rock this entire time. It's true. She has been like, I feel like I need to be there for her, be her rock, but she's been the stabilizer in the family, despite going through the physical and emotional turmoil that she has gone through and it's just incredible the spirit of god i've seen in her throughout this entire journey like this has been consistent from the day this happened wow did that is that something that you think about that you're the person or the role that you're playing which may or may not have been different as to your relationship and the dynamics that it had before this happened do you ever think about when daniel says you're my rock and you're thinking, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, am I, am I strong enough to be the rock for both of us? Am I? Yes, know, she is. <laughs> yes, she is. Question answered. Um, you know, I think that my life and every and the people in my life have prepared me strangely for this moment in that, you know, I'm a physical therapist. So I was very aware that people can have great lives as a paraplegic. So I think that that prepared me in a way to hmm. know right when I knew I was paralyzed listen, I can still have a great life. Um, my sister has been the most awesome person in my life. You too, Daniel. I'm sorry to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. Um, I'll take number two. But she's, she's been an angel. (laughs) And I think that she also said that God has prepared her for this moment in the job that she had that allowed her to come out here to help me, um, in the medical degrees that she has, and she's very knowledgeable about everything. And I think as well, 
people always say like, I don't know how you're so strong. How do you do this? And I think that you don't really know how strong you are because people looking in are like, oh, I just can't imagine how that is. Yeah. But for me, it's like I either sit in bed all day sad about what happened or I have to get up, you know, get everything going and just live. This is this is my life now. So it's a choice of do I want to live a good life still? And I think that people are much stronger than they know that they are. Yeah. Because they don't have to be. And this is this is every day for me. So I have to take on the challenge of this every day. And it's, you know, you just, you don't know how strong you are until you really are faced with something and, and deal with it. Someone hears that and they go, okay, I've watched Carla's story. She's this super crazy athlete that's thinking about doing or maybe has done Ironmans in the past or at least was considering training for one. My daughter and I are currently, she's 13 and I'm making her do a half marathon mm-hmm. with me for PE because she's homeschooled. And she's initially was just like, oh, dad, I hate this. And she's crying while we're running and, you know, I just can't do it, dad. I can't do it. Like we're doing two miles, right? Yeah. And the other night we went out and we, we uh, were up to four miles in our training and I've done one prior a couple of years ago. So I kind of know what to expect and she doesn't. And like the proud look on her face when we get to mile four and I'm like, all right, we're done. We're into rest mode. You know, we've done all the training things they told us. We're doing our sprints and we're doing this and that. And she's like, man, I'm pretty strong. And, you know, so proud to hit that four miles. We hit the pace we were supposed to hit and she's super excited about it. And what you just said made me think of that in like, we don't know how strong we are, but what about the person that's sitting there going, like you said, I can't imagine what Carla's going through. I, I couldn't do that. And even if they don't have the same situation as you do physically, sometimes mentally, I feel like Christians, we put ourselves in that box where it's like, no, we can't do, I, I can't do this. And even God can't do this. Where do you find that strength when it's just not immediately obvious that I could do this? How do you, how do we help someone find out how strong they are if they haven't had to do it? I don't think it's anything that I've been doing. I think that God has been very present with me from the very beginning. And we've seen God and I think the community around us, I think mm-hmm. the love from our family, her sister has been with us since it happened. My family, her family, they've been around not as much as Chelsea, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, our friends have played an integral role in all of this. And then just our ch- church community at large, not just hospital church here, but our church community in the country, throughout the world even, and the love and support that we have felt through that, through social media, through our phone, just the support from everywhere we've heard it has been, that brings her strength, that brings us strength, really. It's the moments of quiet when it's just the two of us, when we don't really try and be strong. We just, we're vulnerable with each other and uh, we're very emotional, but I feel like that kind of builds up strength in and of itself in a way, really. And when we're able to interact with other people, that's reflected. And that's way. awesome. So. I was at second service this week and it was packed. So your, your posse like was like, felt like three quarters or half the church. It was amazing. Like there was no place to sit. And so we were, we were sitting in the back and then all these people crowding around you. And it really made me realize that we often take as Adventists, depending what denomination you are, your Sunday morning or your Sabbath morning, you take it for granted. Oh, yeah. You see the same people in the halls. They sit in the, you know, we, we tend to be creatures of habit. We sit in the same places, the same, oh, well, there's the McGrays. They're over in the left front. So Sparkle can go dance in the front. And you've got so-and-so over here. They, they sit over here. And, and it just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's great. You get to see people hug, maybe even have some meaningful conversations. But it doesn't really... I don't think always resonate with us as deeply as it should, how much this community can really 
and does lift us. I don't think we give it enough credit when we have good weeks or we have, it's a little word of encouragement or someone just saying, hey, good to see you this week and how much that really lifts us up. It really made me think about that when I saw all the support you guys had. That was amazing. Yeah, we have an incredible support system for sure. So that's it. Make sure that no matter when, if someone else is feeling like this, the other part is, you know, put yourself out there where you can have people that will surround you. And if you don't, and if you know someone that needs it, man, grab a couple friends and figure out a way to either get them out of the house or go to them or do something. Cause it's so important to have like what you guys are describing that so many people have been your rock. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember that night, that first night when she was in the hospital after surgery and throughout the night I was in and out of her room. And every time I walked back, I to the waiting room. There's another Some couple person. there waiting for us. And by the end of the night, we had 15, 20 people there That's throughout amazing. the entire night. And then she had her second sur- surgery the next night and 30, 35 people in the waiting room. It was just the more that the news spread, it was <laughs> the more that the support grew and people were there in person. Well, Even though they, they couldn't do anything, they were helpless, but to show their love and their support. When you just said that, the first thing I thought of was I'm on the Facebook group here at the church, the prayer place. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the first notification came out that, of you know, the incident had happened. And I'm like, I have no idea who Daniel and Carla are, but it was every day like when that the next update would come from you through whoever and that would post it to the page. It was just something that every day I took time to pray. And I'm like, I have no idea who Carla is. I have no idea who Daniel is, but this is horrific. And Lord, you know, you know, when it was the surgery, be with the hands of the medical team and, you know, be with the surgeons, be with the family. Just, you know, I had no idea. Like you said in your message, you know what my request is, right? And so even those ways where we tend to sometimes think if social media is just this wasteland where people go to argue politics or, you know, vaccinations or whatever the hot button <laughs> issue is for the week. But really there's, it's all about however you can be a part of that community. It's all, it's all part of it. It's all, it's all worth it in the end, if we can help lift each other up. That's awesome. Daniel, I absolutely resonated with your transparency towards the end of your portion of the message. After bringing us into the here and now of this journey together with Carla and through this senseless act of violence that is understandably beyond frustrating and tragic, we're so often reserved with our frustrations with God. And yet here you are just opening up about it. And we're, we're afraid to admit that we're mad that we're angry and that maybe even beyond outrage at times, we're fearful of what others may think. And I believe that we're afraid that we're, we may actually believe our doubts about God and hearing it out loud is like, Ooh, that makes it even sound more true. Like I really, do I really believe this? I almost have to deal with it then. You said, if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm still a bit angry. Carla is such a beautiful person. She leads a selfless life in complete service of others. All of it makes me angrier. Couldn't he have intervened? He probably did intervene, saving her life afterwards, but couldn't he have done it during the accident? I wrestle with this. Will I always be this way? What has given you strength to personally walk in faith and just continue to lift up your wife each day to God, even with these feelings that are just human and they're part of our human nature? How have you put those together and and made progress forward? I didn't start having these feelings until we were further out from the injury, maybe a few months. And um, my dad being a pastor, I had a lot of conversation with him. And kind of to your point, when I started saying this stuff out loud, I was surprised. I'm like, wow, am I really saying I'm angry at God? Like, watch out what's going to happen. And I'm like, you know what? That's an okay thing to say, though. 
I had had an easy life up to this point, and I never really had to struggle with with my faith. I think I was baptized at like age ten or something. Sure. I didn't really know what I was committing to or what I was doing, and so to kind of go through the struggle and and to work on my relationship with God and to openly question things, I think that's a, a natural progression for something like this. But I think kind of the strength I get is I see God in different ways than I expect. I more than anything, I want Carla to be able to walk again. And if my soul focuses on that, it's like, God, I don't see you unless she's walking again. That's not the right perspective to have. And I think I mentioned um, on Saturday, you know, I see God in the small interactions with people I have every day, hundreds and hundreds of Facebook messages, walking by people. um, I don't know. And they're like, we're praying for you. We're praying for you. Just right now, we're walking over here from the hospital and we walk by a person like, thank you for sharing your message on Saturday. That meant a lot to me. Yeah. And uh, so just stuff like that, like hearing the constant support and seeing God in those ways, that that's something that kind of balances out my <laughs> anger, per se. Sure. Um, and it's still something I'm working through and I have lots of questions, but it's a hard question to answer, to be honest. And that's probably the best I can answer at this point. Maybe in two months, six yeah. months, a year, I'll have a different answer. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I'll say I remember Daniel would tell me, Carla, I'm, I'm just so mad at God. And I would always tell him like, listen, it's okay. Yeah. Like you have every right to be mad right now. But I think that we often think about, okay, we have to have a perfect relationship with God, but our deepest relationships, Daniel and I argue all the time. Like, sure. and that's how we become closer and deeper. And that's, I think that's something that we don't, we don't think about enough with God is we have to struggle with God in order to really get to know him sometimes. And so there are inherent flaws in every relationship, right? We live in this sinful <laughs> world and there's yeah. nothing perfect. So it's better to find a flaw and work towards finding a solution rather than just ignoring that one even exists. And so I think that's kind of a metaphor for my relationship with God right now. I like it that you've given yourselves permission. To, to do that, because that's not something that, I mean, can't speak outside of Adventism because I grew up that way begrudgingly. I wasn't really crazy about it. And I saw a lot of things that I didn't like about it, but it was never okay to question God. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That's, that's some kind of blasphemy that I don't, even, I don't even know. Like you said, you, you know, I'm arguing with God and, and in the room right now, you looked up like, Oh, is that the lightning that's going to come get me? I don't even know. And that's our natural reaction. Cause I think it was bred into us in this, in this faith culture that we live in. But when you said those words on Sabbath, my daughter looked over me and she looked at me and she's like, why do you have tears in your eyes? And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking to myself and I ignored her because I knew if if I actually just dwelled on this, I would just be a huge mess because first off, your message just has that power that when you listen to this and you just take it all in, it pulls so hard at your heart that you just, the devastation, but yet the beauty and the way that you guys are attacking this. And and going back to, as a special needs father, again, I, I saw myself in these words of your frustration and, and maybe even perhaps a little bitterness because yeah. I know I felt those. And I've come to realize that every win that Sparkle has is celebrated by those who have chosen to be her tribe. And I've seen God move people to acceptance, to love, and to Christ-like empathy because of something that at one time made me angry, like really, really angry. So do you see God moving in and through this story for his good during this time yet? Have you seen that? I mean, I have had people tell me, you know, 
my friend who or my family member who hasn't gone to church or prayed in years and they're now praying for you. Wow. And so, I mean, even some of my own family members and that's the case. So I think that God is using this. You know, it's it's interesting. I've had uh, one of the nurses that I had told me everything happens for a reason. Oh, man. I hate that one. Sorry. And I, I hate it too. I hate that one There's so bad. There's no reason why kids mm. should get cancer and die. And all these things that in the world that happen, there are no reasons for them except for that the devil lives here. Yeah. Um, so when somebody says, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I don't believe that that's true, but I do believe that God can take every situation and make something good out of it. Mm. Amen. So I like that better. It's hard. For me to understand how something so random, like what happened to you, Carla, could happen for a reason. Like, then this is, again, where I started to get angry. I'm like, this is literally the most random thing in the world. Absolutely. And even the follow-up after that, we don't know. We don't have a motive. We don't have a suspect. And that part has never really bothered me, to be honest. But just that this happened, if Carla had decided to come to my basketball game, there's so many tiny decisions that could have altered the rest of her life, the rest of our lives, really. And so... Everything happens for a reason. You know, God has a plan for you. I'm not, I never believed in like predestination before this. We live in a sinful world. Stuff happens and God tries to help make the best of it really. I'm not really sure how to phrase that, but I mean, you have this hope that God gives you and you work towards something like, I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I think think that Daniel and I, this is where we disagree because he thinks, you know, if you had come to my game, nothing would have, this wouldn't have happened. And I look at it as like, okay, no, I think that if I had gone to your game that night, then maybe it would have happened another time. I truly, for some reason, believe that the devil had it out for us. Um, and so I don't ever play the what if game because, okay. I mean, anything, I truly think that it would have happened if it was that night. It was, it, it would have happened another time or. I often wonder, and this is just, totally random. It's totally me. It, the what if and the why game. And just like you said, well, maybe if it wasn't, maybe if I went to the basketball game, maybe it happens another time. I like to take it a step further and go, if you had gone to the basketball game, then the bullet doesn't miss you, only nick you. The bullet takes you out mm-hmm. and the devil gets all that he wants. And now Daniel is left without a wife. I mean, that's where I go because I think in the same way, what you're saying is, if you have that feeling, and I, I'm a big believer in your gut, that when your gut tells you something, that's usually the the right thing. And if you if in your gut you're like the devil had it out for me or us together, because he hates to see powerful Christian couples, he hates to see anyone happy, and you add those all together, and it's like this is for some reason this has to get stopped. And then maybe God is saying, well, yeah, you're going to stop this part, but wait till you see what I get to do with this part. It's going to be pretty awesome and it's going to be even better. So even though there's going to be pain and suffering, watch out because it's going to get cool. And that's what we're like, like, kind of like what you're saying. That's kind of what we're hoping for is like there's this beauty at the end that God has all worked into the plan. Absolutely. I think with the vigor and kind of energy that Carla has attacked her rehab since this injury really speaks to that. And people have seen kind of the progress that she's made and um, the spirit that she has displayed throughout. And I think that's having a large impact on people kind of viewing from afar and people who are praying, seeing different hurdles that are passed and answers to prayer in that regard. Yeah. Well, if you've had that drive to be that, it only makes sense that you would attack the rehab just as hard. That's awesome. 
I don't know if you guys remember when we when I was in high school, probably 10 years ago, there was a skit that everyone was doing, every academy, at least in California. And it was to the years ago. <laughs> no, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. I am years old. Ago. <laughs> My 30th is coming up this next year. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see everybody. It will be <laughs> if I go. No. Um, but there was a, a skit that everyone was doing. It was to the song of everything by lighthouse and it was talking about how you know we get distracted by drugs alcohol trying to look nice and all this stuff and god is pulling us the entire time and wanting us to come back to him come back yeah. to him and there's a part at the end where all these people are in the essence of drugs alcohol whatever pounding on the person and god comes and throws all of them off and then you're reconnected with god and sometimes i do think about you know, maybe God was there that night and Satan was trying to take my life or maybe I was going to be hit in the neck and I was going to be a quad. And I think that it would be really hard to take being a quad. And I know many people when I went up to Shepherd Center who have it much worse off than I do, to be honest. And so maybe God did deflect the bullet so it didn't kill me or so that I did. So I have the mobility that I do have. This has been her perspective since day one. I love the I'm silver fortunate. lining. I'm fortunate. People yeah. have it worse than me. I'm here. I'm alive. I can do this. I like God's here with me. I'm just, astound- it's incredible. For all of us that have bad days, bad weeks, bad years, we've all gone through major things that have been traumatizing to us for whatever reason. But the smile that's on your face is infectious. And you two together sitting in the same room is infectious. The silver lining, I think, is so much. It's like so much of the battle that if you can somehow work yourself through and you have some support that can help you stay in that area, it's just so much better. And then it becomes infectious to other people. And pretty soon you've got this momentum of of people that are all seeing things. And if that's for the glory of God, then praise Jesus for all of that. That's just, that's, that's just awesome. Well, in all likelihood, the vast majority of us will never experience on any scale the life journey that you guys have taken over the last eight months. That's, it's just going to be such a minuscule part, like you said, the most random thing ever. But through this storytelling that you guys have just been so open and bold about, I feel like you've allowed us into your lives a little bit to learn and to grow and to support both you and each other you know, as a faith community and to be involved. And what do you hope that God does with this story through your lives in the future? What, I mean, if you could just say, you know, God, I, I, I wish this could happen or I, I, how are you using this? What, what do you hope that that looks like in the future? If you have any ideas? I think for me, the answer is pretty straightforward. I mean, Carla and I are on this earth and um, we, we are here to serve people. Carla is a physical therapist and she served patients every day. She lived a life of service. I work in healthcare as well, more in business side of things. And I ultimately work in healthcare because I want to serve people. I want to help heal the community. And so I think if people can just love and honestly live a good life and go to heaven, it's really that simple. Live a life that God intended us for us to live. If we can share our story and that has an impact that can help them make decisions that guide them down that path, that's really all we can ask for. That's all we want to do. And that that, that was the same before this injury. It's still the same intentions, really. After um, the sermon, one of my family members came up to me and said, you know what? We don't know why this happened and we don't have answers, but Maybe when we get to heaven, you'll see somebody there that wouldn't have been there. 
Yeah. And then that would make it all worth it. If just one person. It's one person. That's amazing. Yeah. Because we talk a lot at the hospital church and, you know, Andy, we get every so often we get a little bit of ribbing because people are like, when are we going to quit talking about love? When are we going to start talking about something more, you know, more meat and potatoes? And, oh, man, this is probably three or four months ago. And he said, when we start being better at loving people, like mm. like the greatest of these, when we get good at that, we'll move on. And it's like, you know, the obviously the tongue-in-cheek is there. We have a long way to go <laughs> before we're moving on to anything else. But I, I love the fact that that was the goal then and that's the goal now. That's That's refreshing and that's... It's so basic, but yet it seems like it's unattainable sometimes. But you guys are living proof that that's just, you know, if that's the goal, that's the goal. Let's do this no matter what gets thrown in our way. I love it. Well, as we begin to wrap up, one of our FHC takeaways this week asked the question of why. Why does God allow bad things to happen? And I'll be honest, the majority of my life, I was never a why person. I'm like, well, life happens and you just pull a little harder on the bootstraps, dig a little deeper, put your head down a little further and push until something completely life-changing slams into your life and turns it inside out and upside down. Then the why seem to be all that there is to life. And my only answer to this is for the last nine years is simply to pray, to pray for God's will, for understanding, and for the ability to see the understanding when it manifests itself in the mysterious ways of God, instead of how I might prefer it. I've realized that if they weren't in his ways and were simply obvious, like I often pray for, I would quickly lose interest. I'd give myself the credit for figuring it out when it happened, and I'd move away farther and further from leaning on him until the next time. My prayer is that we can each find peace in the journeys of our wise. And our final thoughts are from Carla's message. At the very end, she said, Now when I think of my perfect day, I don't think about this world because I don't think there will be a day in this world where I won't have physical or emotional pain. My perfect day is being with the ones that I love, walking next to Jesus in heaven. That was a powerful statement in its simplicity and a really cool, simple roadmap for us to remember because we all know in our hearts that the statement about our personal journeys is true, but it's a declaration that we don't wish to verbalize for fear that by doing it so, somehow it makes us more, again, more true. That will bring all that we fear in this world to fruition into our lives. This isn't our best selves. This isn't our gospel selves. If our perfect day is anywhere but walking next to Jesus in heaven, our joy and peace will never truly be full. And that's, I think, something that we can each remember. And thank you, Carla, for that uh, for that closing, because I asked uh, numerous people that um, I trust their opinion and I trust their gut. And I'm like, what was the most thing, what was the thing that stood out to you most about this message? And nearly everyone said that same thing. That if this is what we can remember, and like you guys talked about, if the fruition of this comes to more people loving or one person joining us as we walk next to Jesus in heaven, then that's absolutely perfection. If there was one thing you could leave everyone listening with, one thing that you hope that they took away from what you guys both shared this past week, what would it be? Hmm. Something not to forget, something that just felt like it was since you had a chance to reflect? I think that um, it's important, at least for me, to realize that God gave me all those words to say. And a lot of people are looking at us, but ultimately what we want to do is point to God. And it's not about us because really God has guided us through this journey and got us to where we are. We didn't just end up this way. We were absolutely guided and prepared and God is still working with us. So... 
to not make it about two humans. Yeah, I would say that everyone is dealing with varying magnitudes of of struggle. People yeah. are struggling with things. And um, a lot of people are asking the why question. And I don't know if that question can ever be answered, but I do know that there are people just, you know, lean on the people who, who do care about you and who do love you. And that is where you can see God and he can help you get through. I don't want to say well, maybe whatever you're going through. I mean, there. this is a horrible thing that happened and we've made it this far. I'm not sure we could have got here without all the support that we have. And so the varying degrees of struggle people have, you know, there are people out there who do love you and God wants to work through them to help you get overcome those, those problems or those struggles. Excellent. Well, thank you guys both for taking the time. I know it's, we ask a lot around here. We ask you to do two services <laughs> with space, a little bit of space in the middle. And then we're like, oh, hey, why don't you come back down to drive back downtown through traffic and come do the podcast later this week. And so thank you for making the time to do this. And again, for sharing not only your your complete story, but today just going a little bit deeper, uh, just to, to let us feel like we're on this journey and to help us learn with you. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're glad to be here. Awesome. All right. Thanks as always to Tom for being flexible in your schedule. I love you and is and for making us sound good because that sometimes takes a little bit of doing. And as always, do join us again next Wednesday for episode 164. Thank you for listening and have a great week.